Our Bible reading will be from Psalm 3. A Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. Thanks, Steve. Well, good morning. My name's Scott. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, really love to meet you over a cuppa uh, in our time together this morning. Uh, keep your, if you've got a Bible there or a phone on Psalm two, uh, Psalm three, sorry. Uh, keep that handy. Uh, you'll need that uh, as we work through it together. Let's pray and ask God for His help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wonderful Word. We pray that you'd open our eyes this morning to see wonderful things in it, to know you better and love you more. Amen. Well, I don't know if you've ever thought this thought, but God's people often sing at some pretty unusual times. Uh, whether that's, you know, most, most people, they kind of, we sing in the shower, we sing while we're vacuuming or at the footy or in choir practice or driving down the freeway with our favourite beats on. But Christians sing at some pretty weird times. Times like being chained up in prison when the only thing they've done is talk about Jesus. They sing when they're tied to a stake about to be burned because they follow Jesus. They sing when they're in a Roman Colosseum about to be mauled by lions and bears. Christians sing at some pretty unusual times. Well, in the Psalms, the introductions are actually often very important. Often, without the little introduction before the psalm, we can't properly understand what the psalm means. And, and this introduction to this psalm tells us that this is a song that was originally sung and written at a really, really unusual time. Have a look at it with me, right there at the very beginning. A psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. We learn here that this song was written by David, a figure who was really important in the Bible. He was, as Andrew's reminded us, the Lord's anointed. And we saw last week that what that means to be the Lord's anointed is to be God's chosen king. The man that God had chosen to lead and care for his people. And you know, this word anointed, actually any time in our Bible we read the Hebrew word Messiah or the Greek word Christ, they are just the Hebrew and Greek word of anointed. David was God's anointed, God's Messiah, God's Christ. But not only was David God's anointed, his king, God had also made an incredible promise to David. See, David was God's little a anointed, his little, a, little m Messiah, his little c Christ, his little s son, 
But God promised that to David, one of his sons, one of his descendants, would be God's capital A anointed, God's capital M Messiah, his capital C Christ, his capital S son. That that anointed would rule forever. He would perfectly obey God's rule and would bring blessing to God's people and the nations that David could only dream about. So that's who sung this song, but we also learned there who sung, when he sung this song. See, on the day that David, the Lord's anointed, wrote this song, another one of David's sons had different ideas to God's plan. David's son Absalom didn't care much for God's plan to raise up another one of David's sons. He didn't care that his father was God's anointed, that God himself had chosen him and made him king. Absalom decided he wanted to be king. He decided he would kill his dad and take the crown for himself. He'd gathered up a whole bunch of followers from among David's own people. He chased David out of town and David writes this song on the run from his son, his own family, his own people who are out to kill him and remove his crown. See, last week in Psalm 2, we saw that it was the nations, the other nations that gathered together against the Lord and his anointed. Well, here in Psalm 3, we see it's not just the nations, but it's God's own people, Israel. Well, when we understand that, we can, what, who David is, that he, is the, he represents the Lord's anointed on the run with the Lord's own people trying to kill God's anointed, then we can really understand this psalm. Have a look with me at verse 1. First, we see the Lord protects his anointed. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head. Verse 6. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. See, David might be on the run, hiding out in caves with his son and a bunch of soldiers trying to hunt him down and murder him. He's not afraid because he knows that God will protect his anointed. He knows it doesn't matter how many rise up against him. The Lord will shield him. He isn't afraid. Now, we know that David's not lying when he says this. Because this is the same guy that, as a young, young boy, having been already anointed by God, having known God's promise that he would be king, put his hand up to fight to the death a giant called Goliath, taking only a slingshot and some stones. We know that David trusted that God protects his anointed. We know that David wasn't afraid. 
And he sings that truth now while he's on the run from his own family and his own people who have rejected him and seek his life. And we see at this point, don't we, in this psalm that, that David, the Lord's little A anointed, the Lord's little M Messiah, little C Christ, little S Son, he foreshadows and, and points forward to God's capital A anointed, his capital M Christ, his capital M Messiah, capital C Christ, capital S Son. He points forward to Jesus. When we get further forward, John chapter 1, John writes that he came to that who were his own, his own people, but his own people did not receive him. Instead, when God's capital A anointed, the capital S Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah, came to his people, they decided instead to kill him. When they handed him over to the Roman governor Pilate, Pilate brings Jesus out and he said to them, John 19, here is your king. Here is your anointed, your Christ, your Messiah. But they shouted, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. And you know what the rulers and leaders and the priests of God's people said? We have no king but Caesar. They rejected God's anointed. They didn't want him as king. See, there at the cross we see Psalm 2 the nations rising up against the Lord's anoint and his anointed. And we see Psalm 3, God's own people rising up against the Lord's anointed, come crashing together. As God's people, the Jews, conspire with the nations and the Romans to kill God's capital A anointed, his Messiah, his Christ. Well, Psalm 3 verse 2. Many say God will not deliver him. But the Lord protects his anointed, verse 3. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. The Lord protects his anointed. And so David sang, verse 4. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. See, point two, David knew that the Lord raises up his anointed. Now, at some point in life, I think most of us go through a patch where we have trouble sleeping. Uh, you know, it could be stress or worry or regrets or fears or brains that don't shut down or insomnia or what, whatever. And the Bible tells us actually that sleep is a gift from God. It's his good gift to his people. And sometimes, you know, if we just trusted that God was in control of that thing we were worried about, then, you know, maybe we would get a better night's sleep. And I think that while David probably is saying here that, you know, he was able to get a good night's shut-eye on the run 
because he knew that God was in control. I think the focus is, is less on the sleeping and more on the waking. So you think about it. If you went to bed every night knowing there was a bunch of assassins out to get you, the question you ask yourself is, am I going to wake up tomorrow? See, David knows. He knows. The answer is yes. He knows that I can go to sleep and I wake again because I am the Lord's anointed and he will sustain me. David knew that. But you know, actually, it's even more than that. See, in the Bible, right throughout Old and New Testament, sleep often has a different meaning. The Bible often uses the word sleep to talk about death. Now, I want you to keep your finger in your Bibles in Psalm 2, and I want you to turn way forward to the book of Acts. So about a third of the way forward through your Bible. It's in the New Testament. Uh, It's after the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and just before Romans. Turn to the book of Acts and chapter 2. Chapter 2 and 22. While you're finding that, I'll just give you a little bit of background of where we're going. This is, we're jumping forward one and a half thousand years after David. And we've jumped forward to to seven weeks after Jesus, God's anointed Messiah, Christ, Son. Seven weeks after he was killed on a cross. We've jumped to ten days after he'd returned to heaven to sit on the throne. And we're at a festival, a Jewish festival called Pentecost. And the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, preached his very first sermon. Now, I have to say, Peter's first sermon was much better than my very first sermon. But this is where we pick up. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Fellow Israelites, said Peter, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs. In other words, God proved that Jesus is his anointed. And this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. God meant for this to happen. And you, he says, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Verse 24. But, says Peter, but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Do you hear Psalm 3? I, the Lord's anointed, lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. See, it was impossible for God's anointed to stay dead because he is the Lord's anointed. Because the Lord sustains him and he was always going to rise again. Well, do you know what Peter said next? The very next thing that Peter does is quote another one of David's Psalms. And as he quotes it, he says, actually, you know what? David was writing this about Jesus. Have a look, verse 25. David said about him, about Jesus, I, David... 
saw the Lord, Jesus, always before me. And because he, Jesus, is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, or that's why, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices and my body also will rest in hope. See, why is, what is David saying? He's saying, because I saw Jesus, I am glad and I know that my body, when I die, will rest in hope that I lie down and sleep in death, that I will wake again. Because, verse 27, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. Verse 29, Peter says, Fellow Israelites, I can tell you this confidently, that the patriarch David died. He was buried. Actually, his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet. He knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. David, seeing what was to come, spoke of the resurrection of the anointed. That he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we are all witnesses of it. Well, you can flick back to Psalm 3. See, David knew he could lie down and sleep in death and wake again. Why? Because he knew Jesus, God's anointed, would rise. And that David too, would be risen because God's capital A anointed is at David's right hand. And so, verse 1 and 2, David called out to God. Verses 3 to 6, David proclaimed his hope in God. And now, as we come to verse 7, David, God's little sea Christ, calls on God to act. Point three, the Lord avenges his anointed. Have a look there at Psalm 3, verse 7. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. Now, in the last couple of weeks uh, since the Hamas attack on Israel, uh, we've seen some really strong reactions around the world, haven't we? Uh, we've seen Jews and Palestinians around the world uh, with some quite strong reactions. And, and I think for most of us Australians, some of those reactions have, have quite shocked us with just how strong uh, they are. Uh, we can definitely empathise with very strong grief, very strong sadness, very strong desire for the fighting and the bloodshed to end. We can empathise with their desire for deliverance from this. But I think what shocks us and what we find hard to come to terms with is when we see people who respond not just wanting it to stop, not just wanting deliverance, but actually wanting far more, wanting complete eradication of the enemies. 
And as we read Psalm 3 and David's cry for deliverance, I think we can agree quite easily with the first part. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. I think we can find the second part a little confronting as David calls for vengeance. He asks God to strike his enemies on the jaw, to break the teeth of the wicked. But if we pay close attention to who David is and what he's asking God here, that he is God's anointed, God's Christ, God's Messiah, God's King, that God has installed on Zion, his holy hill, we come to realise that the enemies of David are the enemies of God himself. See, David is the king God's established. And so those who oppose David oppose God. Those who oppose David's kingdom oppose God's kingdom. Those who David says, ask, calls on God to strike and destroy are the enemies of God who we read about last week in Psalm 2. The wicked who rightly deserve God's judgment. David is not acting out of some sinful vengefulness or vindictiveness or quite the opposite actually. Because who is his enemy in this moment? It's his own son. David we know as we read, he did not want his son to die. He actually, as his, as his commanders and his soldiers went to defend David and, and as Absalom's forces came and David's forces met, David very strongly said to them, no one is to hurt my son. And yet David knows at the end of the day those who stand in oppose to God and the Lord's anointed are the wicked who must be destroyed so that God's kingdom can be firmly and fully established. Even when that means his own son and his own people are some of those to be destroyed. See, David knew this was the only way it could be. Unless the enemies of God surrender and bow to his son, they must be judged. And do you notice actually how similar David's desires and response and cry to God is to Jesus? See, Jesus, who this psalm is ultimately about. Jesus loved this psalm. He loved all God's word. Jesus sang this psalm knowing that ultimately it was about him. Jesus prayed that the Lord would deliver him from his enemies. Prayed and trusted that God would deliver him from death, but he was grieved over the wicked who would perish. His prayer while on the cross, looking down at his enemies who were mocking him, was, Father, forgive them, 
for they don't know what they're doing. But Jesus knew that the only way for God's kingdom to be established would be through judgment. He knew that he himself would be the one who would return and would destroy those who ultimately refused to bow to him as God's king. Now in the Israel and Gaza war, the majority of the conflict seems to be because both sides actually think that they're in David-like position. Both sides seem to think that they're the ones on God's side and that anyone opposed to them is opposed to God. They think that their enemies are God's enemies, so it would be right and good and and totally appropriate for enemies to be completely destroyed. But actually, they're both wrong, aren't they? Because neither Hamas or Israel, neither the people of Palestine or the descendants of Abraham have any spiritual right or claim over that land. Because they have rejected the Lord's anointed. They have rejected Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. And unless they submit to his rule, unless they kiss God's son and bow the knee, they and every other person on the face of this planet in the same boat will be destroyed when Jesus returns because the Lord avenges his anointed. And finally, bringing this psalm home to us, we see that the Lord blesses through his anointed. Point four. Have a look at verse eight. David says, From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. So, do you know, uh, as David's soldiers and Absalom's soldiers came out to fight, Absalom was killed. David's David was victorious. God delivered him from his enemies. And David returned to Jerusalem. He returned to the throne. He returned to his palace. And through that, God brought blessing on his people. Because when the Lord's anointed sits on the throne, God's people are blessed by his rule. You know, we sang a song a little bit earlier, The Glories of Calvary. We sang a line. Sinners find eternal joy in the triumph of your wounds. See, the only way for God to bless all peoples of the earth and to bless the people of Israel was to establish his anointed king on the throne. When Jesus rose from the grave, he was enthroned as king. His coronation day was the three days of the cross and the resurrection. By it, he defeated his enemy, Satan. He crushed the snake. He broke the teeth of death and defeated sin. And it's by his rule that the Lord blesses his people. The only way to have that blessing is to give him the rightful place as ruler of our lives. As God's people, we've done that. We are God's kingdom people, the true and new Israel, joined with all of those from Israel in the past who, along with David, 
did bow the knee to God and his anointed. And because, just like David, Jesus is at our right hand, he is in us by his spirit, we don't need to fear. Like David, we too will lie down and sleep in death and wake again when Jesus returns. The Lord has brought us deliverance and blessing through his anointed. And this is why we sing at some unusual times. It's why we sing when our enemies are against us, when we're being tortured, imprisoned, mocked. We sing because the Lord's anointed is risen and seated on the throne. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we do not need to fear, that you are a shield around us because your anointed Jesus has risen and conquered death and we are blessed when he is on the throne in our hearts and lives. Amen.